Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And we're at episode 171. 71. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week, and that you've managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. Yay! <laughs> Episode one seven one is upon us. Very light on news. A couple of bits of merch, and then it's classic Who time. Mm. Three Doctors. Count them. Yes. Three of them. Una dos tres. More like two and a half or two and a quarter story. Two and a TV screen. Yes. <laughs> Trapped in an eddy. <laughs> don't know yeah. what an eddy is, but... I don't know, but I want one. I want one, yeah. It looks cosy. <laughs> Did. <laughs> <laughs> How has Geeks been the last week? Have you been up to anything cool, buddy? Um, I've been good. Yeah, I've been good. Um, I've just sort of kind of been getting back into the swing of the new year, actually, and and that. Um, I'm still I'm waiting for something to arrive that was Aren't dispatched before Aren't Christmas, and I'm getting worried now. <laughs> it's um the Eagle Moss War Machine Special Edition. Have you seen uh, it? Yes, I have seen it. it. Looks pretty good. It does look hmm. good, and I remember getting an email while I was out in China saying it had been dispatched, and it was just before I come back. So I was like, ah, it will be here any day now. Hmm. And we're now a week and a bit since I've been back. And I'm like, where's my blimmin' war machine? Oh, no. Because um, I love that story. And um, and I've seen some pictures on Twitter of the actual figure. And it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of been lingering around the post box for the last few days. <laughs> so I've been waiting for that. And I was hoping, because we're recording this on a Wednesday, I was hoping that... Um, the latest issue of Doctor Who mag would would be crumpled through the letterbox because it does normally arrive a day early, um, and it's got Jodie on the front, a rather nice cover of mm. Jodie, um, but that hasn't arrived either. So I'm just a bit disappointed. Really. I'm just like, God where's sake. all my stuff? You know what that post was like. He's probably had it. Well, he's probably because he didn't get a Christmas tip. I, t- I told him I was out of the country. <laughs> anyway, yeah. On his shelf, he's got a lovely little war machine figure and. Flicking <laughs> yeah. through the magazine as we speak. I bet either that or it will arrive and it'll be broken or something. But yeah, no, it's getting a little bit worried now. Should be it, and also some big finish stuff as well um, was dispatched again at the same time. And I was like, "Where's that gone? That hasn't arrived yet." Um, Blake Seven and, oh, and yeah. something yeah. else. Um, that, yeah. So don't know. I'm just I'm putting it down to the backlog of the christmas post so i'm i'm (laughs) just hoping it'll be here soon but um yeah i can't wait for that war war machine to arrive um a because i love the story and b the 
figure looks awesome. Um, I am sticking to my New Year's resolution, though, that was inspired by your solo podcast of being restrained. I, oh, yeah. um, there yeah. was a Harrop Sea Devil going for a very good price on eBay the other day. And um, nobody bid on it. It was, you know, probably because it's January and no one's got any money. So I was watching it count down and uh, I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, I haven't seen it. That's sort of almost the price it was when it came out. That's not bad. But I resisted, mate. Uh, I I hovered on it and I was watching the little countdown go down. I was thinking, I really want that blimmin' (laughs) sea devil on my shelf because you've got it and it's amazing, isn't it, that figure? Really good. But but no, I was good. I mean, you know, it's January. None of us got any money. I can't be going mad and buying sea devils at this time of year. (laughs) Can't be pushing a boat out in January. It's like recovery month, isn't it? I know. Sort your finances out. And then February, you can blow the lot again and go mad. Yeah. 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 Speaking of Robert Harrop, I don't know if you've saw this. I don't don't think we, um, we mentioned it on the show probably because we were off or whatever, but, uh, they released a really early prototype, just a gray model of the special weapons Dalek from remembrance. Did you see it? I did, mate. Yes, I saw your tweet or or Facebook post about it, and it, I thought immediately um, it looks amazing. It does. Even just as a prototype sculpt, it mm-hmm. looks fantastic. Uh, don't know when they're thinking of releasing that. I think that's the first release for the year, isn't it? So might be quite soon. But uh, that's an instant pre-order. Um, forget the, you know, forget <laughs> having no money in the bank. That is that is going on pre-order because it looks fantastic. <laughs> Everything we just said moments ago goes out the window. Ignore that. <laughs> yeah, ignore that. This is an exception. Uh, this is like like you were saying when you know there are certain things. Yeah, I'd quite like that. And then there are certain things you see and you instantly know that is a must buy. Um, I don't know about you, mate, but for me that's a must buy. Oh yeah, it looks amazing. Absolutely, and I haven't even seen the finished thing yet. Unless of course they go and mess up the paint job on it because it was a just a grey sculpt, wasn't it, that they've released? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless yeah. of course they go disastrously wrong with a paint job or something, but that looks like it's going to be a good one. Absolutely, yeah, because I've been searching eBay for, because I decided, I think it was November, October, November last year, I decided that I wanted a um, a special weapons Dalek. Do you know just the, the yeah. normal toy one? I think you've got a couple of versions of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've set up a, a saved search on eBay, so every time somebody posts a special weapons Dalek, you know, as an auction on eBay, I get an email to say, there's a new one, go and have a look. Mm. And I'll tell you what, mate, the quality is very iffy. Is it? Very, very iffy on eBay. Old mm. Flea Bay. Mm-hmm. Flea Bay, yeah. yeah greed Bay. Greed, yeah, because they're either 60 odd quid or they're about 399 So you look at the 399 I did a, I've done this a few times where I've compared them, where somebody's posted exactly the same thing. One of them's mm. about 55, 60 pounds, the other one's about four pounds. And I'm oh. thinking, what's the, what's the difference here then? So I've, a couple of times I've messaged the seller and said, why is this so cheap? You know, because I don't want to be, I don't want to get like a, you know, one that's like eight centimetres big and has been built out of paper mache and, yeah. and, you know, and they just said, oh, it's, um, yeah, there's a little scratch. Oh, is that all? Oh, actually, no, the um, the main weapon thing at the front is missing. And oh. Oh, so, oh, from the photo, though, you've put a brand new packaged one. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that. That was just, uh, I didn't have a photo. To, yeah, right, whatever. So the the quality is very hit and miss, unless I spend the big bucks. And, but you know what, mate? I'd rather just spend a bit more and get the old Robert Harrop one. 
I would. I'd save you money and get the Robert Harrop. It's worth keeping an eye on these things, though, because I, I have certain items that I've been wanting to get for ages. And, you know, I constantly, because it saves my search history on, on eBay, I constantly check them. And uh, it's amazing. Just every now and again, it'll pop up for a good price. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, is it too good to be true? And like you said, you have to be a bit careful. But because um, I picked up a, a Leela figure recently, which was... um quite hard to get mm-hmm. it was her in her sort of face of evil costume um i don't know if it was only released in the us or something but it was quite hard to find apparently and it, it goes for silly money mm-hmm. um and i just kept checking it and checking it and everything again and then i suddenly saw it for like 1999 or something and i was like oh brand new never been yet that seems very good can it be real so i took a chance and it arrived and it was you know absolutely bang on perfect so every now and again you have a good find but it's a bit like you know i posted a picture for this week's um story the three doctors and i've got the limited dvd that comes with bessie in the front in a in a big box oh that's cool yeah yeah because obviously i bought that when it very first came out because i was working in a dvd shop at the time so you know it was immediately got it um but i remember like Again, that goes for quite a lot of money on eBay now. But I've seen that sell for like, um, you know, a, a tenner because somebody's put it on as a bidding rather than a buy now price. Oh, okay. And just maybe nobody's searched it that week. And so it's it's sold for a good price. So again, it's worth checking these things. But I'll tell you what I regret is that I remember when that first came out, I went into, um, it was Zavi, but what? It was when they had shops. Was it Zavi or was it what? What, what did Virgin turn into? It was uh, Zavi, wasn't it? They had some high street stores for a while. Did they Zavi? Was it Zavi or was it something else? I forget now. But anyway, something let's like say a, yeah. a big store. They were sort of like as big as H and V, pretty much. And they, you know, high street stores at the time. And I remember seeing that Three Doctors limited edition box set, but the Bessie inside had been painted red. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember really? thinking, oh, well, that's wrong. But me, you know, at the time, I didn't sort of think much of it. But I was thinking if I'd have bought that, that was obviously going to be mega rare because, you know, they must have made a, a, a batch or even, I don't know how it ended up red, being painted red or they put the wrong car in it or a Bessie that was, you know, but I was thinking that would have been so mega rare, I assume, because I've never, ever seen it. Is this on the shelf, like brand new? Yeah, yeah. I just just remember walking into Zavi, seeing the Three Doctors box set that I've got because they, you know, when it first came out, they were, you know, they had quite a few, and I just remember seeing one on the shelf that had Bessie, but it had been painted red, and thinking, oh, that's wrong. But what I wish I'd thought is, oh, I should get that. I bet it'd be worth a fortune in years to come. But that would have been, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I've never forgotten that. So every time I look at my box set, I think, always think of that. I always think that was a bit of a a clang i should have got that but that was back in the days when i only bought one of something oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. when i was being sensible before i lost my mind <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i can't remember do you know what zavi i don't remember oh it was zavi yeah you're right was it yeah. zavi yeah oh, okay yeah yeah <clears throat> yes then they went on to on like a lot of things on online only yeah. that's correct yeah uh, i'm on ebay right now as we speak and there are two of those three doctors special edition all oh, right. How much uh, are they? One of them is sixty pounds. Blimey. Six zero plus four pounds postage. Four pounds postage for that. And the other one is on an auction. And that is twenty-five quid starting price. Starting price, yeah. yeah. See, I mean it is a nice for anyone that perhaps hasn't seen it, it's basically it's just the three doctors DVD. It comes in a nice box with a Gel Guard, I think it is on the front, and then it's got a, a sort of die cast bit like a matchbox toy if you like of, of bessie 
on the front. I think it was released with a fourth Doctor figure in it on its own at one point, but this is just just Bessie on its own. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a nice nice little set if you can get it, but um, yeah, you just have to be you have to keep checking. It's <laughs> mm. a bit of trivia for you. Go on then. The um, the three Doctors special edition that was released in Australia. Yeah. Our friend Sammy might have. Australia. Um, but the front of their DVD had the slightly different 40th anniversary logo. Oh. So you know the H in the middle of who, the word who? Yeah. So the word who that's in the Doctor Who classic logo, what they did was they took off the bottom left-hand leg of the H, so it looks like a four. Oh, right. With the... So it's like Dr. W40, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, well, that's yeah. quite cool. So yeah. we didn't get that over here. No. So, uh, yeah. Looks Talking good. of things we don't get over here, have you um have you been watching any of your Seventh Doctor coffee table book special edition thingy? I have. I'm three yeah. episodes in. Oh. Three stories you, in, should I say. When are you going to post some more pics? Well, I've got that in my notes. As, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> just to give everybody a bit of insight into... um. Before we start recording, I always set up a text document on my computer and I, I have a section for timestamps so that if Skype cuts out or um, a Dalek comes through the window, I can mark the time so that I can edit it out. I get you. I also have another section that says, what have I been up to? So that when we do our catch up now, because my memory is, as everyone knows, is completely shocking. <laughs> I've got a note of what I've done Doctor Who wise over the last week. And I've put here, I've gone through the first three stories of the Seventh Doctor Collector set, and in brackets, in capitals, must post some pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So it's there, written down, so I won't forget. So um, probably between now and tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday, yeah, so between now and Thursday. Yeah. I'll put some some little Instagram little videos up, like turning the book pages so you can see. Oh, lovely. But yeah, so I've gone through Time in the Rani, Paradise Towers, and Delta and Abandonment. First three, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's a beautiful set, mate. Oh, I know. Have you read all Cartmel's new notes that he's written for it and stuff? And, yeah, only on the yeah. episodes that I've watched. Are they good? Are they quite insightful? They are. Mm. They are indeed. I'm not going to give... Actually, I've had a few people on, on Instagram and Twitter saying, I can't understand this. Why have you bought it? It's in German, X, Y, Z. Well, the writing's in English, isn't it? Yeah. The actual booklet. Yeah, yeah so the, the book itself, all the titles and the main body text and everything is, is in English. It's only the smaller sub... It's only the translated title underneath that's in German. So... It's all Does good. that strike you as odd? I must admit, I thought this at the time. So it's a German release, all the discs and everything in German, but all the brand new notes that they got Cartmel to do, they put them in in English. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't know. It does it just does strike me as odd that? I mean, it's great for like people like me and you that want to buy it. But if I was a, a, a German person that had bought it, I might be thinking, "Well, this is really nice, but I don't speak English, so why is all mm. these new notes in this lovely?" I don't know. It just strikes me as odd. It is a bit odd. And I thought about this when I sort of, I don't know, halfway between me ordering it and it being delivered. I thought about this, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because if you were a, a company in Germany. And you were got the license from the Beeb, and you thought, right, we can do this really cool set. You'd probably think a bit further ahead and think, well, who's actually going to pick this up in terms of, you know, geographically? Because, 
what's the what's the size of the Doctor Who fan base in the UK versus in Germany? I'm guessing it's sizably more. So they probably thought, well, chances are shipping's not too bad, European, you know, because the UK is still officially in Europe. <laughs> mm. So mm. it's not too bad shipping-wise. So we're probably guessing that a lot of UK peeps are going to order this. So we're going to, you know, bulk it out with, with English text for the most part. Mm. That's the only See, thing I can think of, because like you say, if it's a German, pure German release, then all the text and everything would be in German. It's strange because even on the front of the box, it's got the, it's got seven, it's got seventh doctor in German as the main title, but then the subtitle where it says special editions collectors set, that's in English. Mm. So they've even sort of only half translated the, the main title of the whole set. So Yes, that's the only thing I think of. They just want to make sure that UK peeps are willing to order it, you know. Yeah, see, I'm hoping I'm hoping that it's because they're planning a UK release to it. That's what I'm hoping, but I could be wrong. Mm. Mm. A lot of know. people have said that. They said, you know, if it's coming to the UK, mm. and I've said, I don't know, 100%, maybe, but I've, I've said pretty much no. I can't see it happening, but no, because we do get these these coffee style, these coffee table style presentations that we see more of. You know, the Capaldi years is another one that's been released recently. Have you seen? Um, I saw some more pictures of that. Have you seen the mm. new pictures of it? Mm. Like somebody posted it of when you opened it up, and there's like um, sort of about twelve pictures of Capaldi doing different poses all yes. along one page. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a US only release, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So what I've said is it's probably similar to those things where, you know, it, it probably won't come over here, unfortunately. Um, so you will have to pay the import. See, with those things, with the US box sets, I'm not sure if the Blu-rays or the DVDs are region free either. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's all well and good, you know, having the nice book and stuff, but it's a bit of an expensive, you know, coaster holder. <laughs> you can't play the, um, the discs, but the, the, Seventh Doctor set from this German release. They are all region free, so that's all good. Yeah, still very tempted with that. I must admit, I'll wait until I see your your picks. But oh, when I put some look picks good. on, mate, you'll, look be, good. you'll be throwing that resolution out the door. <laughs> yeah, it's almost <laughs> out there now. You know what I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> right, yo. Anything else before I land the TARDIS? Uh, no, mate. Let's land it. Let's do it. Oh, oh. Oh, I love that noise. The, Just a little, that was inside my head. That's what I hear all the time. The professionalism on our podcast is cutting edge as usual. <laughs> Let's land it. Or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Our Dalek friend is uh, just thrown a couple of things through the doorway and has scarped immediately. Yeah, off he goes. Yeah, not even gonna, not even a hello today. No, he's um, he's look like looks like he's got a bit of a, a well, not a limp because he's on wheels, but you know, like the Daleks from Remembrance, where they're getting a bit wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> Has he been on the sherry or what? <laughs> it just it looks like he's going down the remembrance road of 
wobbly Daleks a little bit. He's probably still got the uh, one almighty New Year's hangover. Yeah, I reckon he's still partying, that boy. He's been mm. at the old Castrol GTX oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on, no, that's uh, that's C-3PO, isn't it? He has their oil baths, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know then. Yeah, he's probably been at the old Martinis. Probably had a few chasers. He looks like he's on something. Yeah. Anyways, one of these cool special editions from uh, BBC Magazine peeps has has just landed. I saw this in Sainsbury's last week. Oh yeah did you did you not pick it up? No. Oh. (laughs) It doesn't look very good. Um, I picked it up, (laughs) (laughs) which won't surprise you. I got it. Um, and I've I've kind of flicked through it, but. Yeah. yeah, here was my th- here's the reason why I didn't pick it up. It just looked very, very generic, and not yeah. much of any specific value. It's like everything in there is just very generic throwaway. Here's this character, and here's that character, and from there, from this story, and it's like, yeah, we know all that. Tell me what, what, why I should buy it. Mm, I, I kind of know where you're going with it, but yeah, yes, it's just got like a rundown of certain stories and interviews with people, but it hasn't really. It doesn't throw anything out there that I think to myself, yeah. Anyway, it's called the, the Doctor Who 2018 Yearbook. And it's a celebration of the 12th Doctor's final stories mm. from the return of Doctor Mysterio right through to Twice Upon a Time. And apparently it's packed full of all new features and previously unseen images. I didn't see any when I was flicking through it, I'll be honest, but maybe you saw a few, I don't know, but. I, I must admit, I have literally, I mean, I bought it just because it, yeah, I saw it on the shelf and I was like, oh, 2018 year, but must get that. Because um, what is it? 599 year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got home and I literally sort of flicked through it to look at the pretty pictures and I haven't picked it up since. Um, I wish <laughs> I had so I could give you a bit more insight. But I, yeah, I, but I didn't, nothing grabbed me about it. I must admit, I didn't, nothing made me stop on a page and think, oh, what's that about then? Hmm. But I did literally just flick through it. So no, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if any of our listeners have picked this up and they can throw a few suggestions of, of what's in it, that's, that'll be cool. I might go and pick it up. Yeah, was it five ninety nine? Yeah, mm. it's uh, got. Uh, I guess a lot of people said, "Oh, it's got a great." You know, love the cover, um, which I was surprised about because I mean, there's nothing wrong with the cover, um, but it's a bit. I don't know. It's got Jody sort of lingering behind Capaldi's back, isn't it? Um, so maybe that's why people like it because she's on the cover. Right, um, right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a nice picture of Capaldi with his trusty Sonic there and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll give it a more of a read. If, it, if it's if we've done it an injustice, I'll let you know next week. But if I don't mention it, then you'll know that it, it wasn't that great. But I suppose it's just a, a record of all the episodes from Series 10, really, isn't it? It's probably a bit strange that it's called the 2018 yearbook because it's all about last year's... Yeah. Series, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's strange, but um, yeah, yeah. Don't know. Uh, okay. Well, moving on from that, then. Um, obviously, you won't be picking it up. Um, there is a new Leftwich book out, which is uh, book one of series five. We're on now. Limey. Yes, this sounds good. Actually, it's called the Pri- the very private haunting, um, and it's uh, written by Sharon Bedwell. Sharon Bidwell, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, apparently the brig goes out to help um, the son of an old friend and there's a mansion with a, sounds like a talking doll or a doll with a message. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, it sounds like a haunted house sort of scenario thing going on here. Um, these are always good. I gotta say, we mean you've both got quite a lot of the Leopard Stewart books, so it's always good to have another one in the range. Um, yeah, there's a picture of the creepy doll on the cover as well, <laughs> which looks quite <laughs> cool. So this is just just coming out. Um, and if you're collecting this Leopard Stewart range, this is kicking off series five. I can't believe we're on series five already. And yeah, they're eight ninety nine as well. So they're you know the the good price. Good price. Yeah, it's a creepy cover. This one. It does have a. Uh, creepy feel to it i was just trying to find a little blurb it says you know what connects the doll to the strange sounds that scurry around penrose manor and why do the adults of the glen close seem so intent on keeping their children from leaving the village it's up to lethbridge stewart to find out Mm. yeah Mm. yes comment i got to in the lethbridge stewart range yeah we'll definitely have to catch up won't we before we start picking up new ones yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so that's news and merch. No news. A couple of bits of merch from our metal friend. I think it's review time. Go on then. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this, actually. What are we doing then? This one. So, yeah, from one multi-doctor story last week, uh, we're going to straight to another one. So this week, it's the three doctors. Ah, there you are. I seem to be stuck up here. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, so you're my replacements. <laughs> a dandy and a clown. Have you done anything? Well, we've uh, assessed the situation. Just as I thought. <laughs> Nothing. Well, it's not easy, you know. Not as if we knew what that stuff is. No. Then I'll tell you. It's a time bridge. Is it what? I see. Now, what's a bridge for, eh? Well, uh, crossing. Right. So stop dilly-dallying and crush it. No, wait! You, you, uh, you faded him again. I did not yes, fade you him. You saw him. I shall ask, just... but who was that? Me. Me! A dandy and a clown. Not one, not two, but three doctors. This could be construed as an invasion. threaten to destroy me! What Frankly, I thought he was somewhat confused. I'm somewhat confused. Who's he? Me. Three of them. I didn't know when I was well off. Hartnell, Troughton and Pertwee star in a celebration of ten years of Doctor Who tomorrow at 11.30 on UK Gold. The Three Doctors. Yes. Yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, so this was out in 1973. Gosh. Christmas time. Crimbo Spesh, if you will. Really? I, do you know, I didn't know that. Well, just after. 30th yeah, of December, okay. so a few hmm. days after. Four-parter. It was written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin and directed by Lenny Main. Hmm. Overseen by Terence Dix. Barry Letts. Stars the three, the first three incarnations. So, Pertwee, Hartnell and Troughton. Uh, Katie Manning as Joe Grant. And then we have some other people who you would have seen from Classic Who before. So, The Brig. Is here Benson's here, um, and then we have the the uh, very disgruntled and be in his bonnet Time Lord Omega. Mm, very loud, very shouty. Yeah, well, you would be with that big helmet on, wouldn't you? you probably can't hear very well. Yeah, <laughs> he's woken <laughs> up out the wrong side of his antimatter bed <laughs> that he thought of himself literally. <laughs> Plot is thus. <laughs> the plot is thus there's this weird colourful multicolour 
weird i don't even know how they did that effect but there's a weird blob creature thing that uh, mm. that appears at unit hq this is after a couple of people have been sort of zapped and transported yeah. through this black hole to the antimatter universe um, and this blob thing is after the doctor seemingly and uh the 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 time lords um because um gallifrey is kind of under attack if you like from this black hole that's draining all the power um the time lords enlist the help of the doctor but because um he can't they feel that you know he, he, he's restricted to earth still and he's not gonna be much help they break the first rule of time and allow him to engage with his former selves so that they can so he can they he can um uh, take on this uh, problem so the second doctor turns up and then the first doctor kind of turns up mm-hmm. to lend a hand he's just a bit more of a, a bit more of a football coach rather than a player <laughs> i would say yeah in this one anyway the the doctors they um they all get zapped over to the antimatter universe confront omega turns out that he's just had a bit of a he's in a bit of a bad mood basically he's the one that created this huge energy source via a supernova that powers the Time Lord's ability to travel in time and space and all that jazz. But due to the explosion that it caused, he got zapped into this antimatter universe. He supposedly got forgotten, and then the Time Lords went on to this glorious time of time travel and so on. But it turns out he wasn't forgotten. He's just, yeah, in a bit of a grouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctors turn up bit of trickery bit of a lucky break at the end and then everything's returned to normal yes yes mm. so what do you reckon to this one mate four parter classic who you don't get more classic than this no um i loved it i genuinely loved watching this the other night um I haven't watched it for ages and I don't know why I was, I was putting it on and I was just every minute of it. It whips along, doesn't it? It's mm-hmm. like 25 minutes an episode, four episodes just whips along and it's so much fun. Um, it's just like a, a, an absolute gem. And I, yeah, I just, I just really, really enjoyed it. Loved all the stuff between Pertwee and Troughton. Um, did you get to watch the little making of mm. afterwards? Yeah. Um, Cause that's really insightful talking about how, Bill Hartnell, you know, ended up being in it and, you know, how ill he was, you know, it's, um, so like you said, it's just, yeah, he's sort of restricted to being on the screen, but I mean, uh, it, it works, I think in terms of the story, it works really well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, overall, mate, I, I, my overall impression of the story is it's just so much fun and I really, really enjoyed it. What about you? Yes. I really like this story. I think it's a great classic watch. It really is. Yeah, it's got all those cool ingredients, you know. Mm. Um, and it's uh, sometimes the multi-doctor stories can, they're typically very good, but you have like the two doctors, for example. Mm. That can be a bit of a an acquired taste. We've reviewed that, haven't we? We have, yeah. Yeah, because I find that quite a slog, mm. actually. Yeah. yeah, bit of an acquired taste, that one. Whereas this one, it's just... It just flows very nicely. It's got a really cool sort of ramp up into episode three where we see the monster slash, slash villain. It has um, all the cool kind of 
contraption, like all the contraptions that you, you know, that the Perto is famous for, for like his tinkering and building. Mm. And then we've got um, uh, the second Doctor's recorder that goes missing, and that's the key to the to the thing that blows up everything at the end. And the banter between them is really good. And even though Hartnell's stuff was kind of pre-recorded as more of a cameo rather than a shared starring role. Um, his, his little bursts of, um, sort of father figure, it almost, it almost feels like a father figure sort of telling off the, the sons, like, you know, get your act together, hmm. you know, stop bickering, do this. It's obviously that, you know, you pair of buffoons. Yeah. Um, so that works quite well, but I would have loved to have seen Hartnell in it as, you know, the other two on set doing his thing, but which is a bit of a shame, but you know, it still works reasonably well. Mm. They managed to get around it just about, you know, the story of um, uh, him not being able to, um, to fully materialize. He gets trapped in this time eddy thingy. So they kind of get around it a little bit, but it still works pretty well. Um, And then you have the unit in there with the brig and he's pretty cool as normal. And yeah, he gets some great lines in this, doesn't he? The brig. Brig. He really gets some fun lines. Yeah. He's in a proper fowler. But my favourite bit is when he gets to go inside the TARDIS, finally. Finally. <laughs> and, he's, yeah. and he's like looking around going, so this is what you've been doing with unit funds. Well, that's, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Because yeah. although the Brig is a bit of a stern character, you know, he's got that typical British army from, you know, the old days. Mm. Um, uh, and, he, and he's very more so like that in this one. He's very grumpy and just not take any nonsense from anybody. I was still hoping for a bit more of a reaction from him in the TARDIS, you know, and oh, right. yeah. you know, he looks around and you think he's going to say it. He's going to say it. Yeah. Even then he's just still on mission. You know, he's, there's still a job to do. And he's like, yes, well, he just, I just love the aura that he gives off in this one. He's like, I've got no time for all this time Lord rubbish. Yeah. We just need to get it sorted out and you're not doing it. So yeah, it's just brilliant. I love it when um, the second Doctor smashes up his walkie-talkie as well. He's like, I'll sort this out for you. And he's like bashing it on the console. And he's like, oh, I might have broken it. Hang on. <laughs> and all that. There's, some great com- there's some great sort of comedy moments in this that don't go over the top. Like They're not like really laugh-out-loud comedy, but they're really fun mm-hmm. lines, like really nice, you know, um, charming bit of writing. Um, you're saying about the, the Doctor's together. I, I kept thinking all the way through, I'm really glad we're reviewing this after Twice Upon a Time because right. it was great to see. Like In Twice Upon a Time, they tried to show the difference between Hartnell's Doctor and Twelve's. Like, but they did it in a way of like, oh, you know, this is an old hat Doctor. This is a more modern Doctor. You know, just trying to do it as in the time the Doctor was, you know, in the 60s. And it didn't work, really. Whereas in this, they get it right because you see the difference between all three doctors, but it comes together to, to um, they work together. So they're all so different. You know, you've got Pertwee who's quite intelligent and smart in his shirt. You've got Troughton who sort of messes around, but he's actually very clever. And you've got, you know, Hartnell's doctor who's very to the point and brings, you know, takes away all the nonsense and Mm -hmm. points them in the right direction. So all three of them, you get to see all the differences between their characters coming together to make the story work. And I mean, you know, as I said, I was just couldn't help but compare it to, you know, the review we did last week of how they got it totally right in this story, but, you know, didn't get it right. I don't think last week with, you know, this sort of sexism writing and all that nonsense, because and I kept thinking it as well because 
I got I got a little bit emotional when I was watching the behind the scenes thing of this because okay. they they talk about Bill Hartnell and you know he wasn't a well man and uh, Barry Letts says about you know he phoned him up and said oh we're thinking of doing this Morty Doctor story you know would you be interested and apparently he was like yeah oh god yeah yeah absolutely you know really keen to do it and then um you know Bill's wife phoned you know a couple of weeks later and said oh you know you must have caught him on a good day because he really can't do it he's mm-hmm. really not a well man there's no way he can do it um so so they were sort of then left with oh well what are we going to do and it it would have been fascinating to know like you said it would have been fascinating to see him in it properly as yeah, originally yeah. intended as to what we get but i think they did amazing um with you know with what they were given and i and i think bill's great in it even though he's just on screen reading lines you know it, it still works because it's like when he says you know cross it and he's still got that fire in him and he's still you know he's, he's still on the ball as the doctor mm. even though he you know clearly probably wasn't in the best of health and i just thought that was great I, because it, it just shows to me William Hartnell loved playing that role. And even when he was, you know, not in the best of health, he still wanted to do it. And I just yeah. love that. And he still does it well. And I, th- I just, yeah. So I love that he's in it. I love that they got, you know, managed to get that, that him in it, him in it basically. But I'm curious as well. I keep thinking, you know, what would it have been like if it had been in it properly? <laughs> it would, you know, would have been even better, but it's still great as it is. I think it would have been awesome. I think because oh, I would have been all of that. Like you said, that kind of fire that he still had still there isn't it yeah imagine if he'd have had that sort of face to face with the other two doctors you know it would have been such great chemistry between them but you know there we are it's just um but at least he's in it you know at least he's he's contributing in some way and in actual fact they actually sort of it's a really nice kind of respectful way that they included him in it because Mm. although it's a kind of a a one directional thing for the most part where Hartnell is kind of shouting these things over and he's being very kind of controlling almost. Um, they respectfully didn't have the other two doctors, you know, giving it back to him, giving him any lip or anything. That's because true. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit where, a really touching little bit actually, where Troughton's at the console and the the uh, Hartner was said, you know, just turn off the force field. And then it clicks in Troughton's mind. He's like, yes, if I do that, then we'll be transported, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, it's either the brig or Benton sort of shouts at him. He's like, are you mad? You know, yeah. that thing will come and get us. And he's like, he said, yeah, but he says something like, yeah, I've always had a great respect for his decisions or, his, mm. you know, something like that. But there's the way that he just shuts off and says it to himself, like he's staring off into the distance. So, and also perks to his character. He never really has any um, sort of, digs back at him either you know they the between the second and third doctors they have a lot of banter and a lot of yeah you know to and and throwing but the two of them they never really argue back with the first doctor they never really no that's true even when he's even when he's calling him a dandy and a clown and all that i mean wonderful lines you know and 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 as i said you know bless him bill hartnell's just sat in that thing (laughs) reading off of a cue card but he still gives it um, everything it needs. He still feels hundred percent the first doctor, doesn't he? He mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, and so firing off lines like that, he delivers them brilliantly. Um, you talk about the banter between all, all the bickering between the second and third <laughs> doctor though, which is hilarious. I think, cause sometimes bickering can just get tedious. Um, I think, but it, it works so mm-hmm. well between those two. It's so funny. Um, and that's the other thing I found really interesting on the behind the scenes that Terence Dick says, well, it was, 
it you know it was kind of like that off screen as well because they had Troughton and Pertwee had very different methods of working yes yeah. and they became very good friends later on in life but when they were filming this it was quite strained wasn't it they it was quite difficult because Troughton would sort of say the lines pretty much however he wanted so he'd look at the script and he wouldn't say it word for word whereas Pertwee would learn the script word for word and would expect the other actors to do that so mm -hmm. that he knew when to say his line so yeah. you've got two really different ways of working which totally conflicted and uh, yeah it was quite strained I think while they were filming this so a lot of that bickering kind of like carried on off stage you know so I mean I can see that from both sides because you know if Charlton would say if it said on the script do take a seat Charlton would say why don't you grab a seat or something like that and Poet would be well well <laughs> are you going to say it like that because when do I say my line because I don't know when you're finishing your improvisation all that sort of that so you can see you know how that would have been quite frustrating but it's yeah. just the way they worked and I found that fascinating yeah because yeah. there was one there was a poetry story that we reviewed um in December November or December and we commented on the um on the behind the scenes uh, that was with it and it basically was a scene where the cameras were just rolling and you just saw them doing the director coming on and it's the Dalek yeah. one, wasn't it? Was Day it? of the Dalek or Death, Death of the, the Daleks, Daleks? Yeah. One of those, yeah. Death of the Daleks, yeah. And it was really cool to see Pertwee working in that way because he wanted mm. everything bang on. Like he yeah. wanted the like the the timing correct of when he came in with his lines, as you said, and the mm. other actors to be on point. And he wanted everything to just work and, and be perfect. Whereas you can see that, yeah, as Terence Dick said, you know, Troutman was a bit more loose, a little bit more, well, here's the script, but and I'll say it, but I'll kind of put my little spin on it. I'll, you know, yeah. my interpretation of what my, I think what Troutman was doing was he was saying, right, here's a script that's been written for me, but I'm going to give my interpret interpretation of how my doctor would say it mm. because I know the character very well. So mm. if you can imagine the five doctors though, with Pertwee up against Troughton and Davison, because Davison's the same. Yeah. You know, he's, a, if you've read his book, you'll know that he's not the, you know, a, classically trained actor he's not a you know although in later life he grew up he when he started doing like west end shows and stuff like that i think he got into it more but back then i think he was very just young and free and yeah yeah i'll learn it later and yeah know, all that stuff so i can imagine perks we having nearly a breakdown <laughs> doing the five doctors but it's really fascinating actually you know i always try and watch the behind the scenes i love them, stuff yeah. after i've watched a one of these classic stories because it immediately turns it on its head what you think happened when mm. they were when they were making it because to, when i first watched this i thought oh yeah they must have had a great crack making this mm. you know pertwee and trout and you know they would have you know traded war stories about their time you know making the show and probably going out for a few drinks and it was all good but no i don't think it was um that great to be honest <laughs> no as i said they became good friends later i think um over the convention circuits and that they be, yes. you know they got yep. they got very close and, and you know and, and all that but i think during the making of this it was quite um strained in terms of their working relationship for sure yeah um but it, it makes um you know it's magic when they're on screen together like you said if 
if you watch the two of them, you probably wouldn't know that. You just think they're acting their socks off, <laughs> you know, which they are. Um, but they're great together on screen. Mm-hmm. They really do work well. And they're so different in terms of their doctors, aren't they? The way that, you know, they, you know, the way that they are, their personalities as the doctor are so different um, that it makes for a brilliant, um, not confrontation, but, you know, when they are bickering, you just mm-hmm. get to see the two different ways they are. It's, it's, it's fantastic, really. It is. And this, what I like about this is the performances were so strong and mm. it almost sets the precedence for all the other multi-doctor stories that we see further down the line, right up until um, the day of the Doctor, I suppose, where mm. every time the Doctors meet their former selves, it's never plain sailing. There's always this competition, if you like, about who's done what and who's the yeah. better. You know, not, they don't say that explicitly, but... The, you know, there's always that first period of them working together where it's just bickering and banter. And so it's it's great that this story has kind of, you know, really set up the, you know, the way that Doctor... Because it, they could have done it the other way, I suppose, where, you know, they just fell in love with each other and, oh, brilliant, mm. it's good to see you and stuff. So it's great yeah. that you don't have that initial... Because they always sort of a bit chummy at the end. Like, you know, thank you, diddly bit, you know, great great yeah. stuff. And off they go. But the, I love that first sort of half to two thirds of their time together where they're just bickering and I would do it this way and shut up. and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, and it's quite an interesting story, uh, you know, even before, you know, Troughton comes into it, really. I was thinking that, like, you know, mm-hmm. this thing going around taking parts of the you know laboratory to another planet and all this sort of stuff. I think it's actually quite a good story in its own right actually and obviously we get introduced to Omega he's a fantastic character um, and I love the fact that you, although he's clearly gone insane you do have a bit <laughs> of sympathy for him because of what he did for the Time Lords and mm-hmm. then what happened to him so that creates another dimension to him doesn't he so he's not just an evil bad guy he's actually started off as a really good guy who's you know um because of what's happened to him has become very bitter, yeah, which you can understand yeah. and go mad. So that's great. So you've already got like a really rounded character in Omega. And I, I love that. And I love the costume as well. I think he looks great. It's very simple isn't it really mm-hmm. just that drapes and the mask, but it's quite a, almost like a samurai type mask, isn't it? This one, very yeah. different to what we get in, um, is it Arkham infinity? Uh, when does he pop back up? The fifth doctor story is a totally different, costume totally different design isn't it oh yeah yeah that's um is it arkham infinity i think you're right yeah um yeah it looks completely different like they've given his mask like this weird i don't know it's like this really alien-esque um it's weird because i like both in their own way if you know what i mean i like both designs they're both Mm -hmm. quite unusual um, but I don't know, something about this one just, just really suits the era and everything. I really like it. Yeah, I prefer this one. You do? Yeah. yeah. It looks like something out of He-Man. Oh, a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing that I did quite like about, um, not necessarily his costume, but his voice as well, it's one of those times where the sound department actually said to the director, look, this guy's behind a mask. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be able to hear his voice clearly. So they added the big boomy echo in post-production, I assume. When he act- does that scream, it's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> That's a really high strange... pitch kind of... Yeah. You know. But no, it's, um, yeah, it's great because we don't actually see him until episode three, do we? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah. So we do have a couple of episodes. Well, the first one at least where it's just Pertwee really. And he's um, doing his normal stuff, if that makes sense. You know, mm. there's a there's a problem that's occurred. He's at unit, you know, and he's set about trying to, to figure out what's going on. Because we see those, we see a couple of people zapped, don't we? Like the, who's the... Uh, the guy was a scientist name? or whatever. I like the fact we've got that face in the negative as well. That's a nice idea. Mm, mm. Yeah, quite creepy. What's his name? Ollis? Well, the guy that gets zapped um, could be, yeah. Yeah, with the rifle, the shotgun at the beginning. He's Oh, uh, him. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, he gets zapped. And then the, um, who's the, the scientist guy? Is it Dr. Tyler? No. Yeah, Dr. Tyler. Yeah, it is Dr. Tyler, yeah. Yeah, he gets zapped as well. So we have, like you say, we have this cool kind of already ongoing story before we even jump into the multi-doctor stuff, mm. which is cool. And I like the fact that we don't see Omega until the last half as well. Because although he's a great character, because he, like you said, he's gone insane, he's very bitter, and but he's really shouty and really mm. grumpy. So I think if we had that for three episodes, that would have been a bit much by the end. So by the end of episode four, it would have been like, shut him up. Yeah, you true. Know, get on with it already. But So I think, you know, story-wise, I really like how this is paced and, and moves along. Yeah. Because we do have these nice intersections with um, the, the first act, if you like, setting up the story, the middle bit with the Doctors figuring out how they're going to sort this out and so on. And then the final bit with... Omega coming to his doom. Mm. And um, I like the fact we get a nice scene between the Doctor and Omega just sitting down and talking and he's explaining, you know, what happened to him. I always love it when, you know, the the, the Doctor and the bad guy just sit down and chat. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. rather than just being like, you know, the Doctor gets tied up and tortured and all that, you know, it's a bit like, always reminds me of like, um, you know, when the, the fourth Doctor sort of has a, has a good old chat with um, Davros in Genesis of the Daleks. Uh -huh. That nice, quiet scene just explaining why they're doing what they're doing. You know mm. what I mean? Rather than just being an evil genius or, you know, or, or, or a bad guy that wants to destroy everything. They, I just love those little moments. And there's a good one with Pertwee and Omega, isn't there? It's only a couple of minutes long, but just mm. Omega explaining what yeah. happened to him and why he's so angry and then he starts getting all shouty again but i love little moments like that you know and i think pert was great in those moments as well because mm, he makes the chair appear doesn't he oh and that's it yeah, yeah as if to say take a seat because i'm gonna tell you <laughs> yeah gonna you tell your story yeah why yeah. this is so you know everything's gone to crap basically yeah yeah and it's almost like I was when I, I remember when i first watched it i thought oh no they've made the mistake of like the classic old you know, the Bond villain from back some of the earlier Doctor uh, uh, James Bond films where, yeah. he, you know, James Bond gets told the plot. He gets told, you know. Oh, I see, yeah. You know, you know I've got to take over the world and I'm going to do it like this. So now that James Bond knows how to stop him. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, no. You know, he's giving everything to the Doctor. So the Doctor now is going to know how to, how to stop him. But he doesn't. He's just more of a the story is based on a personal emotional thing. It's not mm. like a, you know, Omega hasn't said, you know, I want to, um, you know, kid, I, I want to build this big super weapon. That's going to, you know, don't get me wrong. He wants to, you know, do away with the time Lords, but he doesn't necessarily want to do away with the entire universe. He just wants to make them suffer because he thinks that they've abandoned him. Whereas they don't know that he, he doesn't know that they don't know where he is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I really it's... like that, yeah, that he's kind of 
he's given it all to the doctor, but he's not, you know, there's no route that the doctor can take off of that to stop him. He still has to try and figure out how he's going to stop Omega. Mm. And you almost feel a bit sorry for him, don't you? Because you, you he do. sort of, yeah. at the end, he just wants company, doesn't he? He's like, he's saying he's going to, you know, the, the, the others can leave, but the doctors have to stay because he doesn't want to be alone. All that. Mm-hmm. So you sort of almost feel a little bit sympathy for Omega at the end. Yeah. Do you know what? It's a bit like, it's a bit like Caves of Androzani, you know. Um, so, oh, Shara's Jack. Yeah. Jack, yeah. When you have kind of a, a multi-dimensional sort of personality to the villain, it does, it does make you feel a little bit more for their, like you say, you do feel a bit sorry for them. Because I felt that way when I first watched Caves as well. Mm. Initially, it's like, oh, he's the big baddie. You know, he deserved to be blown up or stopped or whatever. But then when you learn, like, Jack's the same. He's like, he just wants to... That's why he falls for Perry, I suppose. He just wants somebody yeah. to love him. I know it sounds a bit soppy, but, you know, so I think yeah. Omega's the same, you know. He's not, he doesn't want anyone to love him, but he's, he, he just wants justice because he feels like he's been wronged. Mm. And even though Pertwee, it's that really cool scene where Pertwee's like, look, when I was growing up as a Time Lord, you know, you were, you were never forgotten. You were just the hero of the Time Lords. Yeah. But even that doesn't stop him and convince him otherwise. And because like no, you he's... said, he's just been twisted and insane and... He's a bit like uh, anything that happens with um, sort of inter-universe or interdimensional um, banishings or whatever. It just turns you insane. Like, and, and that's a perfect example with Omega. You know, he's just been banished to this alternate antimatter universe. I don't even know for how long. It doesn't even say how long he's been there, does it? No, that's true. So it could no, have been long, long enough to vanish. Yeah, but because yeah, he's invisible, pretty much, isn't he? Did that surprise you? You know, the first time he take the first time you watched this, sorry, the first time you watched it when he takes his his mask off. Did that surprise you that he there was nothing there? Did you see that coming? Because I, I, from what I remember, because it's a while ago, but I don't think I did. I think I remember going, "What? What? What's going on?" Like I didn't expect there to be nothing there, especially because at one point his mask nearly flips up and you see, you almost see the actor's face at one point, don't you? Do you, do you notice that when he spins round? Well, you do and see his it. mask. Yeah, you mm. do see it, don't you? Yeah, I did actually pause it. I will confess. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see. Well, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was surprised, but not for the reason that I think the writers intended oh, okay. or the producers right, intended, right. because when the doctor and when the two doctors start lifting his, his mask up, you can see the sideburns and, oh. you know, from the actor inside the mask. So yeah. I, I just thought that when they saw his face, it was like this, you know, um, sign of twisted, mangled face. Because they look of horror is like, oh. but you can yeah. see the actor's head inside the mask. You can yeah, see the side of his cheek and his sideburns and stuff. So I thought, oh, he's got this, you know, disfigured, horrible Phantom of the Opera thing going on. And then when he goes to the mirror and lifts it up and it's there, I was like, oh, oh, you know, they're trying to make out like he's, you know, he's sort of thought himself, you know, he's gone so, so far that his physical self is no longer here. Oh, I get it. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I was surprised, but I don't think, unfortunately, the way that they wanted me to be surprised. They intended. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering what you thought of the Gale Guards as well the first time you watched this. Because <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, <laughs> uh, um, they're, they're a bit unfortunate, aren't they? They're very much of the time. I think in oh, terms absolutely. of a Doxy monster. Um, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. They look, they don't look very good. <laughs> <laughs> they look like a giant toffee crisp. 
<laughs> with a big old eye moving around at the front. They do. They yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been okay if the costumes were sort of bodysuit shaped, but because they mm. just look like someone's thrown a quilt over their head <laughs> and then no sellotapes and stuff on it, it kind of destroys the illusion of any threat, really, because they certainly can't run. I was going to say, I think they might have got away with it if they if they'd have shot it so that we didn't see them wobbling because when they run they sort of do this wobble which makes them look really comical i think i don't know i think if they'd have been shot slightly better Mm. (laughs) but it's a very difficult monster to make look scary i think without making it look so what they they should have done is they should have made bodysuits very similar to the mummies in pyramids of mars Mm. and Mm. just stuck all of the the bubble wrap and and all of that stuff on those, that kind of shape. Yeah, Because yeah. at least, you, believe, you know, you would have got rid of all the wobble and the shake and stuff. Because I imagine if a wind blew up, you'd know, it'd be like wearing a kilt. Yeah. You know, that'd be straight <laughs> up over your head. <laughs> the big old claw as well. The big oh, old the lobster mixer. claw. Yeah. The lobster claw. The thing is, they it's as if they really tried hard. Like It's as if they could have saved themselves a lot of time and effort and, and if they'd have made the suit simpler, isn't it? Like, it looks like they've really gone to town. But unfortunately, it's just ended up not looking very mm. good. And you, you almost feel like saying, no, no don't, don't bother doing all that. Just like you said, simplify it and it'll be a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> they're not in it as much as I thought, actually. I remember, you know, like when they first appear on screen, I was thinking, oh, dear, forgot about these guys. <laughs> and um, Yeah, I mean, they, they do wobble around a bit in episode three or whatever. But yeah, they're not in it as much as I thought. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well because yeah. whenever I think of because there are certain cl- especially classic Who stories of when I when I hear the title, I normally go to what the monster is in it because you know the, the the Doctors are given you know mm. so in order to sort of reboot my memory about you know what story it is, I'm like oh it's that monster or that villain. So I thought they were in it loads. Yeah, I don't know why, but they're not. No, not really. No, they do make for a good toy. I've got a toy of them somewhere. <laughs> they they look good as a toy. <laughs> I was going to say to you actually, talking to things that seemed um, from memory as well. The the time lords I thought were very different in this. Um, mm. Like they're not as I remember them. They're not you know like in other stories they're quite pompous and full of themselves. And I thought in this one they seemed like they actually wanted to help, and they seemed a little bit, maybe even a bit more human in this. Did, did you think that they're not quite the sort of pompous, mm. strutting around? We are the lords of time, sort of time lords that we get in later stories. If you compare these time lords to say like the time lords in Deadly Assassin, you know, um, they're very different. I think in this. Yeah, and I think that's because they're getting their asses kicked. It could yeah, it could be. Because if you think to, uh, what story was it? What's the Capaldi story where he goes out to the desert, to the same barn that the war doctor went to, and then Rassilon turns up and the soldiers defect to the doctor. What was that story? Do you know, it just goes to show how much um, we've watched that series. Series 9, remember? Yeah, Yeah. Series 9, I I know the story you mean. Yeah, so, uh, hold on. Not that one, sorry. The Day of the Doctor. Oh, Day of the Doctor. You know where it's the, basically he's saying, is it this is Day of the Doctor? Yeah, where he's saying, you know, we're going to freeze Gallifrey in a single moment in time hmm. because it's the middle of the time war. So they know the Daleks are going to win. So their idea is to pull Gallifrey out of time and freeze it. Yeah. Which was meant, 
correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure that was meant to be the the the, the story driven narrative for Doctor Who beyond that point is instead of the Doctor doing what he's doing, his mission, if you like, is to free Gallifrey. I'm sure that was what it was meant to be. Anyway. There was, there was somewhere in all that confusing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. the Doctor falls no more. Uh, Gallifrey falls no more. Yeah. That was the reveal. And then it was like, you know, that's his new mission is to... Anyway. Uh, so the Time Lords were the same then. They weren't that kind of... Because although they were fairly angry that the Doctor was, you know, got one of his crazy outlandish plans going again, you know, mm. they were like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. So again, when they're getting their ass kicked, you know, they're more than happy for the doctor to help out. Yeah, that's true. But when they're just kind of coming down on him like a ton of bricks and treating him like a child, then they have got that very pompous, you know, who are you kind of attitude. I suppose we haven't seen them that much up until this point, have we? I suppose, because we got to see them at the end of um, the war games. Um, I don't think they've popped up been mentioned that much i guess between the war games and this um from what i can think no. of tom uh, so, tom's doctor has a good old moan about them at the start of brain of morbius doesn't he He thinks oh, that they've yeah. grounded him do you remember yeah so i i think he's thinking back to when he was the third doctor and he's thinking oh they've grounded me again you know and it's interesting because he, yeah. he gets the he gets the uh, dematerialization circuit circuit given back to him mm at the end of this story, which again, I'd completely forgotten about. And I was like, Oh, so this is when he, this is when he finally leaves earth and goes off to see other planets then. Um, which is quite nice. I, I couldn't help but notice how dusty the column was <laughs> when he takes that. I was thinking someone should have give that a quick dust. Yeah, yeah. Dare I say, where was Polly? Uh, <laughs> oh no, I'm a just steady, steady. You listeners know I'm taking yeah, a bit yeah, out of them off saying that. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, I did think that was really cool that he gets his, um, dematerialization circuit back and he looks genuinely pleased doesn't he like oh, i'm actually going to get to leave earth and it's nice that the time lords give him that treat to say okay all is forgiven off you go yeah sort of yeah. yeah i'm very angry though why i'm angry that once the doctor's got his memory back of yeah you know all that stuff and he's got his dematerialization circuit and he's everything's cool what's the first thing he goes and does um Goes and messes around with those bloody drashigs. Oh, is that the next story? Carnival of Monsters is the oh, next blimey. one. Oh, okay. So the yeah, ne- but <sighs> even though you hate the drashigs, you've got to admit they're better than the Gale Guards. You wouldn't take a Gale Guard over a drashig, surely? I don't know. Uh, I'm just angry that with you know with all <laughs> this, you know, of all of time and space for him to go and, and, and muck around in. He gets, oh, anyway, yes, it's will, very cool. I, I will say this as well, though. Also, it looks like the TARDIS prop has been given a nice lick of paint as well. It as if it's, because yeah. uh, I kept thinking back to Spearhead from Space when, you know, Pertwee falls out of it, and now it is literally <laughs> about, it looks like it could, you could blow it over. It's like you a know, rickety like, old barn, isn't it? It's been... sma- the light smashed, <laughs> and yeah, it looked terrible in that story. And th- in this one, it looks solid again, and it's a real... It's yes. a bright blue, isn't it? They've obviously mm-hmm. given it a bit of a paint job. Yeah. Um, but I remember in um, Spearhead, you know, you're talking about at the beginning where he's in the field. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the sound doesn't help either. So when he's like, falls against the door. And oh, it all of, creaks. It's all like creak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing I wasn't happy about either. Oh, go on. Talking of sets and stuff, was the bloody floor again. So when we go to Omega's chamber, 
Yeah. You look around the floor and the steps that go up to his big chair and stuff. It's just littered everywhere with scuff marks and stains oh. and everything. <laughs> it's like yeah. when the set direct when the set designers and builders and everything were making these sets, fair enough, they haven't got much money to do that. <laughs> but come on. Even I'm bef- looking at a picture of it now, actually, on Wiki. It's quite funny. Yeah. So before the cameras even start rolling, surely you'd run a mop over it, or you know, and sweep up and say, you know, try not I to s- make any marks on the set because we're going to film tomorrow. So you know. it's a bit like the TARDIS console, though, isn't it? I kept thinking, so they know there's going to be a close-up of the Doctor <laughs> taking that off. And it is absolutely caked in an inch of dust, isn't it, yeah, on top of it? And I think yeah. somebody should have just thought, oh, hang on, we've got a close-up going over. Just give that a wipe, somebody. It looks really dusty. But I don't know. Maybe um, they were against the clock, as they often were. <laughs> I don't know. But Omega's set, uh, just going back to that, it, it's um, it's quite basic, isn't it? It does look like someone's just thrown a load of paint up the wall. Yes. Um, yeah. But he has got a lovely built-in television. That's nice. It's a lovely bit of... Um, hmm. Yeah, what do you call it? Integration yes. work. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. It's also, um, yeah, I mean, I know that sci-fi at this point in the game was very much, you know, had taken Star Wars' lead where, you know, not everything looks like it was built yesterday, you know, and it, yeah. we are trying to depict, a, you know, a lived-in universe. And, you know, there are lots of people walking about the TARDIS all the time, so you would expect the odd little scuff and so on. But there are some sets like this one where it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure that in the universe of antimatter, all it takes is a click of fingers from Omega and, you know, he's got a pristine brand new bit of fluorid <laughs> and so on. It just, yeah, it just, what annoys me, and it does annoy me, I'm angry about it. You're because, angry. Yeah, because I don't mind the odd scuff and stuff on things. It's things, But when you see, when you're meant to go into these big sort of chambers that are meant to be, you know, quite posh and, you know, quite superior... It looked like the crew had just, you know, had a game of football on it an hour before. And <laughs> oh, I don't know. And it was also, yeah, I suppose, because this is the 10th anniversary special, isn't it? Yes. So you might have thought they yeah. would have put a little bit more money in, maybe. I don't know. Depends how tight things were. I just don't know. It's just a mop and a broom. That's <laughs> all that's needed most of the time. Yeah. Anyway. So what did you think to, um, so it's kind of story overall, it's kind of well-rounded. We have the villain that's, you know, already, like you said, an established reason and an established purpose to his, you know, why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, we have Pertwee, he's kind of, you know, doing his thing, as we've seen him do um, for a little while now, as the, the third Doctor. Uh, Troughton's back on form, if Absolutely. You'd, you'd agree. Yes. Um, Hartnell's yeah. back on form, despite his, you know, his, his illness that not many people probably would have known about at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what about some of the other characters there? What about Joe? I thought Joe was quite good in this. She's she seems to be taking because she's really settled into the role. I think by now, because um, if I thought I kept thinking back to her early adventures where she's quite sort of ditzy in, in the uh, in the way right. she's written, mm-hmm. and she seemed quite sort of serious and very much taking the role seriously in this. I thought, and you know, um, she doesn't get an awful lot to do. Uh, but I just thought she was charming in it, and I, she is one of my favourite classic companions as well. So I just love her and Pertwee together, and she does get some nice lines between the two of them when she's, you know, asking who's that and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I like her in it. Yeah, I don't think she did too bad. No, I thought she was there just to prop up um, the uh, the Doctor Tyler 
most of the time. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Because yeah. they kind of get grouped it when they go to Omega's hood. Um, they, they get sort of prisoned off together, don't they? And Yeah. Other than that, she doesn't really, I mean, she has a, she does give the doctors a bit of a pep talk, doesn't she? Because they're like, oh, this is all, you know, we're doomed. In not so many <laughs> words, but, you know, she's like, don't, you know, if Omega, you know, one Time Lord can think up all this, surely you two can think up a simple door, you know, and then we have that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, she gets eff- to figure that out. Yeah, it's like that funny effect where it, the camera zips like frame by frame between the two doctors faces you know when they do that interlink oh that's kind of mad thing. isn't it yeah, yeah. very trippy mm. um so she gives them a little bit of a pep talk and yeah she's doing her thing but i suppose there's not much room in the story to do her to have her doing much more than what she did i suppose but she was all right no no yeah i guess say for what she's given i think mm. she's good yeah. yeah what about old sergeant benton then benton well benton's benton isn't he i mean <laughs> what can you say he does um his reaction to being this other task for the first time is quite interesting, isn't it? He's just like <laughs> gorps for what feels like forever. Yeah. I mean, he really relishes that they're, they're like, right, John, you're going to go in, you're going to see the TARDIS, you're going to look amazed, go. And he really <laughs> savors his time of looking around. And he's really like, oh, this is amazing. And <laughs> yeah, he's okay in it. Yeah. He's all right. I was going to say what I was going to say is that John Levine is, is, uh, you know, is, is John Levine. Yeah. He's just, uh, you know, his acting style, the way he acts as Benton is, is what it is. And yeah. yeah. You know. He's not the greatest of actors, is he? Let's be honest, old, uh, John Levine, but I think he, you know, he does what's needed for, for Benton, I suppose. Um, he's he, very likable. Yeah. He is very likable. That's true. And he's nowhere near as bad as the other soldier that we see out in the in the grounds of Unit taking on the. <laughs> he was a very terrible actor. I don't know who that guy was, but Corporal Palmer, I think his name was. Oh, what the one that sees the girl guard? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at least he's better than him. Mm. Nah, he's all right. His old Sergeant Benton. It, yeah. It's nice to have him in there again. He doesn't get a lot to do really, but you know, would have been um would have been cool to have um. Fraser Hines back as Jamie because yeah because I think a lot of the stuff that was written for Fraser Hines went to Benton oh did it yeah so I think a lot of the stuff that the interactions between him and the doctor and him and the brig I think was meant to be between Jamie that makes sense actually I can see that they tried really hard to get him as well didn't they they were like okay if we can't get you for the story can we get you just for a cameo at the Mm -hmm. end when the second doctor vanishes again can we just get you to come through and actually say, come on, doctor, which I can totally see. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah, but he was too busy filming Emmerdale, I think. Emmerdale bloody farm. And they couldn't get him. Yeah. Which is a real shame because that would have been a lovely little touch if he'd have just appeared to have taken the second doctor back to his yeah. TARDIS or wherever. Yeah. That would have been nice. But no, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And what about the other two guys? Well, I think we mentioned them very briefly, but... Um, we had Ollis, who's the, the groundsman. Yeah. We get zapped, and then we had Dr. Tyler. <laughs> so Dr. Tyler was, he was a bit of a loose cannon at times. There was that bit where he's being held captive, and the doctor's like, don't you dare run off. It'd be dangerous. He's one of those <laughs> actors that, again, I think we've said this before, it's very much like, um, very much sort of theatre-like, and very much of that era. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but quite likeable because <laughs> of that. So it's not a very 
convincing performance, but it's a nice performance. Does that make sense? You know what yes. I mean? He's like, yeah. you're looking at him thinking, yeah, you can see him on the stage sort of thing, kind of going through the <laughs> lines, but he's perfectly likable though. Yeah. He, yeah, he's perfectly okay. Well, I thought it was brilliant. They just had him run around the block because the doctor's like, don't run off. It'd be, a oh, mis- yeah. it'd be a mistake. And then he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll stay put. And then before he's even finished a sentence, he's legged it off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, here we go. And then he just runs around a few corridors and he's back and he's like, oh, that was worth it, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's great. Bit of, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. They were okay, those two. Yeah. It's a poor cast to find. As I said, they don't yeah. get much to do, but they're, they're okay with what they're given. Um, they are. What did you think to the music? in this one. Oh, who did it? Cause it's, um, Pertwee's music can be very, it's Dudley Simpson. It is I Dudley. did wonder yeah. because it's quite electronic and yes. I always, um, which always throws me off. Cause I always think of, um, Dudley's music as being, you know, more sort of wind instruments and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which I suppose he goes on to be later. But, um, I didn't think it was too bad because, you know, some of Pertwee's music can be a bit ear splitting <laughs> and yeah. this borderlines it <laughs> at times, especially in episode one, when Bess is, going for a little jaunt it's yeah did you like that yeah. bessie had its own theme because every time perhaps we jumped in <laughs> bessie we had that same thing <laughs> yes i did like bessie's theme yeah no i quite like the music as i said it borderlined almost going down that electronic ear splitting pertwee music at times but i thought it was okay it didn't take me out of the story like sometimes pertwee's music can yeah <laughs> like frontier in space or well, Sea Devils can be a bit... Or the Sea Devils. Yeah. I mean, it's a great story, but some of the music in it <laughs> can be a bit much. Um, Green so yeah, Death's pretty bad as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I do love Dudley Simpson's music. Mm. I really do do like old Dougie. Yeah, it's very good. Anything else you want to mention before we go on to scores? Just two little bits. Uh, one that I thought Nicholas Courtney was brilliantly written. I, I just love all the stuff he comes out with in this, I think mm-hmm. he's really funny and adds to the, the sort of humorous side of the story. So I love that. Um, and also I just want to quickly ask you what you thought of the mind palace fight, which I thought was really good, but probably just cause it was, I just thought it was really simple. I love the fact it's done on film and it's just all done with colored lighting. Like they're just in a black room. I just thought it was simple, but I really liked it. I thought it was quite effective. I like the creature that he's fighting with like Omega's, mind creature oh. i thought was quite interesting and quite probably quite scary back in the day oh i think i would have found him quite scary if i was a kid watching this back in the 70s um but yeah i just wonder what you thought of the mind fight um Pert was getting thrown around like a rag doll uh, i thought it was okay yeah yeah i thought it was okay i thought it was um a bit creepy like the way that omega had you know when you see him i suppose that was what he wanted to make himself look like Mm. Um, as like a threatening kind of um, sort of being, I suppose, towards the Doctor. Um, but I thought the sequence itself was really cool. It's like this slow motion. Yeah. You did see the Doctor throw a couple of throws in, didn't you? And he goes in for a few mm. chops, but Omega's... Um, it was quite trippy, wasn't it? It was a little bit. There's a few things in this that made me think, oh, wow, this was uh, when a few people at the BBC were on something that was a bit stronger than... Than alcohol, yeah, yeah. I'm no, sure that's right. not the. I'm sure that's not the first time we've seen. Doesn't I'm sure Pertwee has another fight in a black draped. I can't think what it's with because I kept thinking I'm sure I've seen this sequence in another episode, but obviously not this sequence. But 
I'm sure he's done that in other stories where we have these sort of fights that are slowed down all in blackness, mm. or it might even be Baker. I can't remember now, but but I but I liked it. I thought it was was pretty cool. Okay. Pretty yeah, just a nice. I don't know, just something about it. I, I thought was pretty good. Okay, cool. Quite trippy. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I, and oh. also, I like the fact you couldn't tell. That's what I was going to say. Very often, when Pert was in a fight sequence, you can tell when it's not him. Oh, yeah. So, um, who's the guy that normally stunts for Pertwee? I've completely forgotten his name. Um, is it Stuart Fell or something like that? But you can normally tell what you you sort of think. Well, that's so and so in Pert was you know in a wig. Oh, now we're back to Pertwee, and I just thought they you know they mixed it really well in that sequence. You couldn't tell when it was Pertwee and and the stunt double, which you know is quite unusual. You normally can. Uh, Terry Walsh. Terry Walsh. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. I think there was only one scene where Omega gives him a proper fling across the floor. and You can normally tell by the hair, the can't hair, you? It's normally yeah. a lot lighter. It's like a real crisp wig. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite a good wig in this one. <laughs> yeah, it was good, actually. Because there, yeah. there was one fight scene. What What's that scene of Pertwee's story when he's in a, like, uh, like a, a big square that's made of like roped walls? That, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I was yeah. going to say, was that the fight sequence you're thinking of? Yes, and you, but you can clearly you can tell, can't you, when it switches? I think you, that's very obvious that it's Terry Walsh in that one. What is that story? It was, it's not Carnival, is it? Uh, do no, you know, it's I not, can't remember. It's not, no, no, I know, I know the exact scene you're on about. Just can't think of the story. Yeah, there's lots of ropes and there's a big old fight going yeah, on. Yeah, that's got like a black yeah. exterior to it. It's just the yeah. roped area. Yeah, but that's quite cool. Mm. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yes. Right. She's go first. Right. Okay. Um, really, really like this. So it was a good story and joy to watch actually. So going with an 8.5 out of 10. An 8.5 you say? Yes. I'm going for an eight. Oh, an eight. Oh, I thought you were going to say snap. <laughs> eight. And they do get the, they do get the lines in time in this one. You know, when they have to say the same lines, like Me. snap, me, Me yes. they, yep. uh, they get it in time, which they didn't do in the second, in the two Doctors. Is that your point five there, is it, for the, the sync, syncopated? Yes, okay. no, I really I really enjoyed this one. I nearly went to a nine. I'm only really knocking points off for the look of the Gale Guards and, um, I don't know, can't really think of much else wrong with it, really. it's. A, I think it's a great story. So, 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's a really good story, really good watch. Um, for, I, th- I think the reason why I initially put an eight down on my notes is because... Oh, and I think an eight's a good score. Yeah, it is a good score, um, yeah. Why didn't I... I think I didn't mark it any higher than that, purely because... Um, yeah. I, I think I would have gone up to an 8.5 if there, if the monsters were a little... You know, the guards were a little bit more threatening and a bit more, you know. And also if Hartnell had been in it more, mm-hmm. that definitely would have pushed the score up. So, yeah. An eight from me. But it's a good, like you said, it's a good score. Yeah. It's a good, really good story. It yeah, is. really good fun. Really good. So what did our beautiful listeners think? Mm. Uh, I'm going to read out an email that we got from George Puddy. I'm going to read this out first because he emailed me last week and I forgot to read his one out. Okay. So I want to make sure I get this one first. He says, it's an odd story. And while I love the interactions between the third and second Doctors, it really wasn't the three Doctors. Although that couldn't be helped. The effects weren't that great, even for Classic Who. Yet Omega is a great villain. And he gives it eight out of ten. Awesome. Cheers, George. Over on Twitter, SilentNerdC137 says, this was my first multi-Doctor story, and I love it. It's such a shame that Hartnell was ill, 
as it could have been so much better with all three Doctors, but Troughton and Pert, we play well off each other. Um, Omega is a great villain. Love his costume. We need more Omega. Uh, gives it a nine out of ten. Yes. Uh, Daniel Fox 909 says, my favourite Pertwee story. Omega is a brilliant villain. The, the Gale Guards are the most adorable lumps of jelly. And Troughton and Pertwee's <laughs> dynamic is awesome. 9.5. Uh, Running Hoovian says, enjoy this story. The plot is good and the set is impressive, even if the monsters look like oversized pomegranates. <laughs> Omega is a fab baddie and it's great to see three and two play off each other with one overseeing. Um, nine out of ten. Yes. Um, Gallifrey and Who says, smashing story. Omega was a great villain and the use of antimatter provided some excellent elements to the story. Love the interactions between all the doctors and putting Hartnell in a glass pyramid was a great way to not get him running around. 8.8. 8.8, okay. Yes. Uh, mm. Mr. Dar- yeah, he's always very specific. Very. I like that. Yes. Uh, Mr. Dalek Emperor says... As the first multi-Doctor story, it's very well written and Troughton and Pertwee are comedy gold in their double act and they have uh, have going in the episode. But it's a shame due to Hartnell's ill health that he wasn't a part of that. Um, Also, Omega's name was supposed to be Om, which spells who upside down. Oh, (laughs) okay. And coincidentally, (laughs) Om is a unit of measurement represented by the uppercase version of the Greek letter Omega. Ah. Mm, clever stuff overall the story set uh, set a strong template for other multi-doctor stories to come with the other doctors having great double acts as in the two doctors time crash and day of the doctors Um, yeah he does give it a score though oh no I think he likes the story sounds like it yes Um, anything else on Twitter Uh, yes uh, Rob Kelly tweets says my favourite story of all time Mostly Ooh. due to nostalgia. Absolutely love everything about it. Watched it hundreds of times and loved the interior of the TARDIS. Yes, beautiful. Uh, Liam Michael 97 says, I always love the three Doctors as it is such a good storyline encapsulating the 70s Doctor Who while also treating us to three Doctors in the story. Having Unit heavily involved as usual made the story even better. I love it. Excellent. And I think that was it. Uh, hold on. No, uh, Dexter Who says, very good story. Uh, I had the good fortune to see it in 1973 when it was first transmitted. Oh, cool. And it's repeat in 1981. Uh, best wishes from Dex. Cheers, Dex. Thank you very much. Uh, over on Facebook, Sammy Satine. G'day, Sammy says. G'day, I, Sammy. I love this story as everything. Always a joy to see Hartnell. Shame about him being so poorly, but great he was included. The Doctors certainly work well together. Troughton does a great job of his portrayal of the second Doctor, as always. Of course, Ruffles being the current Doctor means we also get Unit, which is great. Omega is an interesting character, a solid nine. Solid nine. Cheers, Sam. Jason Thayer. It's a shame Hartnell's health was so poor. It was too poor to really contribute to the plot. At least he gave us the immortal line. Lots of great humour in there, too. Omega is a great villain. The walking jello moulds were a bad idea, though. Another nine. Mm. Martin Arnold says Omega kidnapped Bessie the start of a crazy and awesome adventure with my favourite Doctor Who villain ever Uh, I love the costume so iconic Uh, the arc of infinity design is still good Uh, a really interesting idea for a villain even the weird blobs and the ridiculous music they always manage to play when the Doctors try running Bessie (laughs) doesn't hamper a true classic eight laws out of time of ten for me 
<laughs> Love it. Dean Jones, a lot of fun. Character interactions were fantastic. Great cast, very funny, and an excellent villain in the form of Omega. Pertwee and Troughton bounce off each other perfectly. Dudley Simpson's music fitted the story like a glove. The production were very good for a 70s budget and packed with action, humour, references and engaging plot. A very solid story in its own right. Immensely entertaining. 8 out of 10. Awesome. Miles McKenzie, an enjoyable watch. Suiting anniversary episode. An amazing chemistry with all the characters. A, a real... Um, I think he's meant to say a real shame that Hartnell couldn't do much due to his health. Omega was a great villain and is one of one I want to see return to new Doctor Who. Uh, mm. The Girl Guards were a quirky villain, but very enjoyable to watch. Another nine. Nine, yeah, good. Lewis Palmer, very enjoyable and entertaining. Omega is a fantastic villain, mm. proper menacing. I really enjoy seeing the three Doctors interact with one another, even if Hartnell's time on screen is short. Good Monsters, 7.5. Oh, thought it'd go higher. Joseph Howarth says, we've done a, multi, a multi-doctor story last Christmas and now we are covering a story with three hard hitters. <laughs> Pertwee, Trout, and, and um, a bit of Hartnell. Uh, it can only be the three doctors. It's been a while since I've seen this and it's better than I remembered. Shame yeah. about Hartnell not joining it much with the proceedings, but it couldn't be helped with his poor health. Production values on a bit of a cheap side while Omega is screaming more than a fan at an Ozzy Osbourne concert, as well as the monsters looking rather silly. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Everything is well done. Everyone in the cast, everyone in the cast deliver some brilliant performances and it's a thrilling story to watch. Another nine. Nine. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, my second favourite multi-doctor story behind The Five Doctors. Omega's great. That's all I can say. Um... Nine out of ten. Number nine. Nines. Wowzers. Nine is the average score. Yeah, that's good. Crazy. Do you have anything on the Geeks handbag? Yeah, I had a couple on Geeks. Uh, Zach Jenkins says, uh, absolutely fantastic. Omega still scares him a little, he says. Ooh. Fair enough. Uh, Aaron Ball says, brilliant story. Troughton and Pertwee have amazing chemistry. And it introduces Omega. Brilliant celebration story. And even Hartnell, for all that he had, was brilliant. Matt Searson says, uh, shame they couldn't get all three of them together on film as they got them together for promotional photos. Very true, actually. That amazes me that they got Mm. got them all together. But yeah, Uh, Andrew Moore says, I first saw a story during the five faces of Doctor Who and has always loved it. It's just a shame William Hartnell could have could not have appeared in the whole story. Yeah, we agree. And uh, Mickey Wildman finally says, uh, remembers asking for it on DVD Christmas years ago. (laughs) And when he got it, he was amazed by all of it. Um, so yeah, he really enjoys it. So a lot of um, positivity, no ne- no negativity there, which is good because um, it is a great story. Brilliant story. Yeah, I'm, I, and I've just been reminded as well that they did because um, someone was saying they'd like to see Omega come back, and I was thinking, yeah, that'd be cool. And then I was thinking, actually, I remember Big Finish did that um, audio ages ago, just called Omega. Um, which I remember really liking, but I probably haven't listened to it for about 15 years. Was that a Davison story? It's a Davison one. Yeah, yeah I might have yeah. to dig that out. Yeah, I might have to dig that story out. Because I've completely forgotten about it until now. Yeah, that's very true. I might have to pick mm. that up, you know, because I think... It's a two ninety nine one. I was going to say, it's only a cheap... Um, and it's download only. Um, but yeah, it's only three quid at the moment, so I might... I might, yeah, I remember I liking that. that. They did like Davros, Omega, and forget what the other one was, all in mm. all in concession. Yes. Yes. 
Who played Omega in that one? Ian Collier. Yeah, I must admit, I've just looked to see if it was um, Stephen Thorne who obviously played Omega in, in The Three Doctors, and sadly it wasn't. No. So, yeah, Ian Collier. Apparently a good story, though. You're not the only one who said that about mm. Omega. Hmm. Anyways, thank you so much, guys, for sending in your reviews and so on. Very much appreciated. Next week, it's going to be newer Doctor Who. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What have we got next week? Tenth Doctor next week, so school reunion. Ah. Tenth Doctor and Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. Right, this is oh, going to be an interesting and one. And K9. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, fans of the podcast will know that it was either last year or even 2016, I can't remember. Hmm. Uh, or even 2015, I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was 2015. Blimey, really? You and I did a commentary of School Reunion. Three years ago? Oh, no, yeah. Well, two years ago. No way, that's incredible. Yeah. I can remember oh, yeah. that recording. That's if it was yesterday. Yeah, that's cool. So <laughs> School Reunion, where we get to see the Doctor come face-to-face with the alien. Prilatine. The, the bat. Is that what they're called? Krillatine? Krillatines, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, get your DVDs out or your Blu-rays, whatever your choice of medium for newer Doctor Who is. Because we'll be asking for your thoughts on a bit of tenant action for next week. Yes. And until then, I think we're going to do for 171. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us this week for 171 and chatting all things Doctor Who. (laughs) Thank you so much again for sending in your thoughts and reviews. Love it when you guys do that. Not only does it give us an insight into what fandom thinks of certain stories, but also make sure that we're not going mad. <laughs> oh, I think we are going mad. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> little bit. So, yeah, score reunion next week. Get that watched. And just keep an eye on social media on Monday, asking you for your thoughts and stuff on that. Head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk, where you can check out all of the previous podcasts and also check out the articles that have been coming out now, now that Christmas and New Year is done. Our cool writing yeah. team. Maria, Dan and Jordan putting out some great articles there's a really cool one from uh, Maria all about um, regeneration which is very cool and uh, Dan has just put out a review of the first Doctor Adventures on Big Finish yes awesome stuff go check those out Uh, also look for us on all of the podcast stuff Um, uh, just uh, do a search on iTunes or click on the badge on the website it'll take you to iTunes and if you are an iTunes listener if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be lovely, because that really helps us. Plus, you can search for us on all the other podcast networks. We're on all of that stuff, and if you want to grab the RSS feed, all of that stuff, it's all on our website. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's The Hand Geek's Handbag! Yay! Yay! <laughs> new video out today. Awesome! Yeah. Looking at those new Titans. Oh, you got all of them delivered, didn't you? I got the whole show. Bang! Just went in. All of them. <laughs> no messing about no messing around this time (laughs) yeah so check out Adam's channel on YouTube plus you're on everything else aren't you everywhere everywhere everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) 
Excellent stuff. So, until next time for episode 172. Oh, my voice went then. <laughs> for 172 next week. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Eh... <laughs> 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 <laughs>